You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Woo! Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. With me is Mike Chappell, and we have a great show on tap for you today because the Colts just went into Buffalo and came out with their biggest win of the year. We're going to recap the game. We'll discuss takeaways. And we'll also check in on the Colts' playoff hopes, which are looking a lot better after that beatdown in Buffalo. I'm so excited. I'm ready to get right into it. But first, Mike, how are you, my friend? I've had caffeine this morning, but mine hasn't kicked in like yours has. So, <laughs> But other than my day's going fine. But uh, the, the, I tell you, the sun came out. It's a little bit brighter today in Indy, I believe. Yeah, I'll tell you, if, if, if the Colts played like that every Sunday, I don't think I'd need caffeine, at least not on Mondays. Um, but uh, the Colts played great, and it started from the very beginning of the game. Five and five Colts visiting the six and three Buffalo Bills. A little bit of context in this game. I mean, the Bills have the number one defense. The Colts had not beaten a 2020 playoff team uh, on eight straight tries. They were 0-8 in their previous several attempts against playoff teams. Um, and this was a game that was really, really vital for the Colts' playoff hopes because Tampa Bay's next week, uh, the Colts couldn't fall to 5-6 and six and still have a very realistic shot of making the playoffs. They would almost have to win out at that point. So we get into the game now, and the Bills had allowed just two field goals in the first quarter through their first nine games, and that was about to change. On the very first possession, the Colts orchestrate an 11-play, 65-yard touchdown drive that took over six minutes off the clock. The longest play was an 18-yarder to Michael Pittman Jr. on second and 14, but the scoring play was Jonathan Taylor, who ran the ball in from three yards out, seven to nothing Colts. And the Bills with the ball now, they're looking to answer. They drive into Colts territory and have a third down and three from the 28, but a false start penalty backs them up to a third and eight. And then Josh Allen's pass falls incomplete on third down, but there's an offensive holding call. So do the Colts decline the penalty and take fourth down or accept the holding and back Buffalo up 10 yards. They would accept the holding an interesting choice, but it paid off because on third and 18, Josh Allen tries to force it into wide receiver Gabriel Davis. It's not even close intercepted. George Odom jumps in front of the pass, ran it back 21 yards to Indy's 43-yard line. So that choice to accept the penalty um, and prevent Bills from kicking a field goal really paid off for Indianapolis. They have the ball back, and they're looking to extend their lead to 14. They would need just five plays to do so. After, jo after Jock Doyle dropped a pass on first down, Jonathan Taylor picked up 11 on a run. Then 18-yard pass to Jack Doyle. Five yards to Michael Pittman Jr., and then Carson Wentz finds Jonathan Taylor down the field for a 23-yard touchdown. Taylor made the catch and then a couple nifty moves to get into the end zone. 14 to nothing Colts. But Mike, we've seen 14 to nothing starts for Indianapolis evaporate pretty quickly. Uh, coming to the mind is the Tennessee game. And we don't even have to talk about the Ravens debacle. So at this point in the game, Colts are feeling good. But I'm sure they, they are not comfortable yet of anything based on what's happened earlier in the year. No, that's what I think after the game, somebody mentioned maybe it was Wentz or, or Ryan Kelly about, 
you know, keeping our foot on the, on the pedal and keeping the gas down. And for the most part, they did. They, they just went about their business. And one thing you mentioned about, and it was brought up all day, about how this was the, the, the league's number one defense. Well, we talked last week on Thursday. It was, but they really hadn't faced a, a power team. I mean, a really a top-level offense. Yes, they, you know, in Kansas City, but Kansas City was having serious struggles. So I, I thought all along, and I mentioned last week, we'd find out a lot about both of these teams, and I think we did. I think we did, too. The Bills down 14. They're looking for an answer, uh, and they would come back to life in a little bit. 11-play, 73-yard drive that took nearly six minutes off the clock. Buffalo's drive ended with a six-yard touchdown pass to Stephon Diggs. I mean, the coverage by Rocky Sin really wasn't bad on the play, but a perfect throw and a perfect catch beats pretty good coverage. Uh, Buffalo pulls within a score, 14-7. Colts get the kickoff, and they go on another long drive. This one, 15 plays, 8 minutes and 32 seconds taken off the clock. That's a lot of time with the football. Uh, a holding and rougher, roughing the passer penalties gave Indy a first down on 3rd and 8. A 3rd and 1, Jonathan Taylor picked it up. A 3rd and 10, Carson Wentz runs up the middle for 18. 3rd and 3, Taylor up the middle for 7. But on 3rd and 11 from Buffalo 17, the Colts can't convert. And Indy settles for a field goal, 17-7, to 7, with a little more than 2 minutes left before the half. Indy kicks off. And Buffalo really looking for another score before the second quarter ends here. Isaiah McKenzie returning. He loses his footing and just kind of falls to the ground. The ball comes loose. TJ Carey scoops it up, returns at 14 yards, and the Colts have the ball at Buffalo's two-yard line. First and goal, Taylor runs it in for his third touchdown of the day. 24-7, Colts take a 17-point lead. Still, uh, some time left before the half here, a little under two minutes left. Buffalo trying to cut their deficit. They drive to Indy's 36, but with less than 30 seconds left, the rookie, Quiddy Pay, gets to Josh Allen, knocks the ball loose. Buffalo would recover, but it backs them up to the Colts' 48-yard line. A pass, a 10-yard pass to Emmanuel Sanders gets the Bills a little bit closer, sets up a 57-yard field goal. But Tyler Bass's kick would hit the upright, no good, and the Colts go into halftime up 27-4 to on the Bills. The Buffalo gets the ball to start the second half, and they can't do anything with it. The Colts' D forces a three and out after three straight incompletions. Indy with the ball now. They pick up 18 yards to T.Y. Hilton on third and six. A late hit as Hilton was going out of bounds gives the Colts another 15 yards on top of that. Suddenly, the Colts are at Buffalo's 38. Third and eight now. Carson Wentz is sacked, but a holding penalty on Buffalo gives Indianapolis the first down. A lot of penalties on third down for Buffalo in this one. The Colts played great, but Buffalo just flat out didn't play that well either at the same time. Uh, the Colts, however, first and 10 from Buffalo's 31, would pick up a penalty of their own. Quentin Nelson sets them back 10 yards. And Indy would fail to gain another yard on the drive. The Colts' first punt of the day gives Buffalo the ball at their own 10. First down now for the Bills. Matt Breida picks up 28 on the run to the left side. A late hit call on George Odom 
as Breida was going out of bounds, gives the Bills another 15 yards. To be honest, I thought both late hit calls were a little ticky-tacky, but there's one on each side, so fair is fair. Uh, Buffalo picks up another first, first down before their drive stalls at Indy's 41. They attempt a 49-yard field goal, but this one goes wide left in the rain. We still have a 24-7 ball game midway through the third quarter. Colts' drive starts at the 39-yard line. After Jack Doyle picks up three yards on third and two, Jonathan Taylor breaks off a 40-yard run off the right side. He's finally brought down at the 10, and Taylor would finish what he started on the very next play. Uh, 10-yard touchdown, his fourth touchdown of the game, 37 or 31-27. Colts have the lead, but it's only the third quarter, and the sting of the Ravens' loss still lingers. Can the Colts defense avoid a similar collapse? Absolutely. On Bill's next drive, Indy tips the ball up into the air on third down. Kenny Moore tipped it to himself. Comes away with an interception, returns it 14 yards to Buffalo's 23-yard line. Colts looking to go up 31. Who do they turn to? You guessed it, Jonathan Taylor. After a few runs to get them close, Taylor would pound it in from one yard out for his fifth. Like Frank Wright in the locker room, one, two, three, four, five, five touchdowns on the day for Jonathan Taylor. This game is out of control. 38 to seven, Colts with the lead. Buffalo gets the ball, a little under a minute to play in the third. They'd go on a 10 play, 77 yard drive, ended with another Stephon Diggs touchdown. This one from nine yards out. Josh Allen would run in a two-point conversion to give the Bills uh, 15 points for the day. With about 12 minutes and 40 seconds left in the game, Colts are nursing a 23-point lead, and they would nurse it well. They take over six minutes off the clock with a 12-play, 63-yard drive. ended with a Michael Bagley field goal. Uh, The Money Badger stays perfect for the Colts, 41 to. 15 with six and a half to go. Uh, with this game out of reach, the Bills put backup quarterback Mitch Trubisky in the game. And after picking up a first down, Trubisky's pass is intercepted by Zaire Franklin. And Davis throwing confetti for his Syracuse alum. Uh, I'm sure our Dave Griffiths will have something to say about that on Thursday. And that interception would about wrap this game up. Colts milk. Much of the remaining clock. Final score, 41-15. to Colts make a statement in Buffalo. Mike, I mean, this is the Colts' best game of the year when they really needed to have it against, I mean, one of the top opponents that they've faced all year. All three phases, the Colts really dominated. Yeah, again, it was was just total. It was, you know, player or the coaches always talked about the three phases and all three phases contributing. And, you know, here we go. The offense, what was it? Five touchdowns, two field goals on, on nine uh, possessions. And the, the last possessions was end of the game or on, on downs when they're just milking clock. The defense, they, they really, they, they did a great job. We talked last week of keeping Josh Allen, what the Colts call in the well. Don't let him get outside. He heard him a couple times early getting outside, but they did a great job of keeping him in the pocket, disguising coverages. And, you know, I think 
they, they, they really felt that him in the pocket, he was a much, uh, much easier to defend, l- l- less prolific, and that proved to be the case. Again, three interceptions on the day. And we also talked one of our bullet points last week was ball security. He had the two the, the two top teams in the league on takeaways and plus minus, and the Colts get four takeaways. And, and, and on top of that, they've now scored 98 points on their takeaways. So, you know, the defense is getting them and the offense is cashing in. So really, really impressive. And I'm going to – we'll get to some of your takeaways here. But what I'm interested in now is how do they respond – to this, this this doesn't get them in where they want to go. It just puts them in position. Sometimes when you you work so long to get where you you know to get your head above water, and you finally got your you know you finally got that win against the top tier team, do you sort of catch your breath? Well, they can't. There are no position to do that. So I want to see how they come out and play against Tampa, and we'll talk about that on Thursday. But. Uh, uh, again, I think you may have been the only one between you, me, and Dave to, to pick the Colts. Sure was. But I, <laughs> I, I figured you were going to bring that up at some point. But I just thought that was that's probably as complete a game as these guys have had. Maybe in Frank's, considering everything, the weather and the the, the opponent and on the road, in in Frank's tenure here, but uh, came at the right time. It really did. We will get to takeaways in just a second, but before we do so, um, let's talk injuries here. I saw Quentin Nelson left after he apparently re-aggravated his ankle injury. I did not see him return. Um, do we have any update on Quentin? No, we talked to Frank later in the day, and I, I don't think we'll get an update. I think this is something that Quentin's simply going to have to deal with the rest of the year. You'll, you'll, you'll. Kind of like Darius's ankle. Yeah, yeah, and it's just you either sit him or play him. And I think it's it's a case of they'll do as much rehab as they can during the week, and he'll be limited in practice, although he, I think he was full all last week. I remember Frank said that he wouldn't practice on Wednesday, and he did. But I think this is just where he's at now with, again, you either sit him for a game and, and try to let it heal, or you simply wrap it up tight and said, go as long as you can and hope no one steps on you or rolls up on you. And, but the, the one silver lining is they've got two solid ta- uh, two solid guards with Glowinski and Chris Reed, so it, they're not going too deep on the depth chart. So uh, I think Quentin will be you know all right, relatively speaking, but I think this, this right ankle is going to be something that bothers him for the rest of the year. Well, and, you know, Chris Reed's playing really well in reserve role uh, that he's had so well that he's pushing to start for Glowinski and kind of taking his snaps. And, you know, Quentin Nelson's obviously not 100% out there. So at this time, the drop-off from Nelson to Reed is not as stark as it could be um, with those factors at play. All right, Mike, let's go ahead and talk about the takeaways. Takeaway number one, the Colts are hot and their playoff chances are heating up, too. After a 1-4 start, the Colts have won five of their last six ball games. They snapped, as I mentioned earlier, an eight-game losing streak against teams that reached the 2020 playoffs. The Colts entered Sunday with a 45% chance of reaching the postseason, according to First38.com. Now they're sitting 
pretty with a 73% chance after pounding the Bills. Uh, so the Colts really playing good football right now. Frank Wright has this club uh, really playing up to their potential. And the playoffs are very much in reach. We will talk about that after we get through our takeaways here. Takeaway number two, Mike Jonathan Taylor is special. He had on the day a career-high 32 rushes for 185 yards, four rushing touchdowns, also had three catches for 19 yards and another touchdown. Uh, five touchdowns were a franchise record and one short of the NFL record. He joined LaDainian Tomlinson and Liddell Mitchell as the only players in NFL history with eight consecutive games with at least 100 yards from scrimmage and a rushing touchdown. He's the first player in league history with 175-plus rushing yards, four rushing touchdowns, and one receiving touchdown in a single game. Uh, He's rushed for 100 yards in now three straight games, six times in his last eight games. The last time McColt had a streak of 300-yard rushing games was Edron James in 2005. That's some more good company to be in there. James had five straight 100-yard rushing games in that one, so... You know, knock on wood, Taylor will be able to break that streak um, in a few weeks. Taylor boosted his season totals to 1,122 rushing yards and 15 total touchdowns, both of which lead the NFL. He also leads the NFL in 100-yard rushing games. He has six. 20-plus yard rushes. He has 10. 40-plus yard rushes. He has three. Total yards from scrimmage, 1,444. Rushing first down, 68, and total first downs with 78. Taylor is the fourth player in Colts history to crack the 1,000-yard mark in each of his first two seasons, joining Marshall Falk, Edron James, and Joseph Adai. And, you know, beyond Taylor, the Colts just ran the ball well in this game. They averaged 5.7 yards per rush attempt, Again, against the number one defense. Uh, The Colts have the two highest rushing totals in the NFL this season. They had 264 against the Bills, 260 in Week 9 versus the Jets. Mike, uh, I'm going to let you talk here as I catch my breath a little bit, but is Taylor now the frontrunner for MVP? That's what everyone's saying on Twitter, his teammates, ESPN even. And, um, you know, the last non-quarterback MVP was Adrian Peterson in 2012, and Damian Tomlinson in 2006 before then. So it's pretty rare that a running back can take that award. But, I mean, the kind of year that Taylor's having, I think it's on the table. Oh, I think he's in the discussion. Front runner, I, I wouldn't go that far just because it, it's it's almost a quarterback. It, it's a quarterback award. But, you know, I, I, I and I'm not saying pump the brakes on front runner. I just I, I try not to be so knee-jerk reaction to that but to say he top five I don't know I'd have to sit and look at who my top five are uh, but what he's doing is pretty incredible again second year he's a year and a half into his into his career but uh, Naheem Hines was kind of banging the drum for him after the game and you know he also he also mentioned Cooper Cup if you, if you want to <laughs> for Naheem Hines but Again, it, it's the value of a player to a team, and it's just incredible what this guy has been doing, and the fact that 
the 32 carries were a career high. And I think he had 21 the week before, which was his career high uh, regular season. Or uh, no, he had season 30 high. against uh, season. He, he had yeah, he had 30 last year against uh, Jacksonville, I believe. But 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 again, it's it's just it, it it's in the flow of the offense, and he's just showing you the total package, the speed, the elusiveness, the the running through. T- Some of his better runs were the third and shorts. There was an early third and one, third and two, or third and three, whatever it was, and he's hitting the backfield, and he carries the guy far enough for, the, for for to move the change. So, and and one thing that was really amazing to me, I, again, I get too deep in the stats sometimes. They ran the ball forty six times, and Carson Wentz threw for a hundred and six. Was it hundred five hundred and six? It's the fewest yards he's thrown for in a game in his career, in a game that he finished. Uh, they had more players with a rushing attempt, six, than with a reception, five. Absurd. That's ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. Uh, but it just shows you that what they had worked, and they 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 were sticking with it in the rain. And it's amazing what you can do when you get the lead. And you've got an offensive line that is really, really getting attacked together. I thought Eric, Eric Fisher had a strong game, real strong game. I think he's been pretty good in run blocking for quite a while. Uh, but Braden Smith and Kelly. So I just thought the way the way they're using Taylor now, he's getting his 25, 30 touches a game. And knock on wood, as long as this kid stays healthy, uh, he's going to be a force to deal with. Yeah, and I, I'm sure we'll probably have a more in-depth discussion a little later this year uh, on the MVP if Taylor keeps this up. But, I mean, part of the reason I feel like he's the front runner right now is because so many of the other candidates have kind of fallen back a little bit recently. I mean, Josh Allen was to talk a little bit, but the Bills have now lost three of their last five, I believe. Um, Kyler Murray was the talk of the town for a little bit, but he's been injured, and the Cardinals have been winning with Colt McCoy out there. So, you know, his MVP most valuable players kind of questioned at that point. Uh, Tom Brady in the just lost last week. Aaron Rodgers just lost on uh, yesterday. You know, I'll, Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs. You know, Mahomes is not having a Mahomes-like year. The Chiefs have been winning, but even last week, I mean, Patrick Mahomes wasn't th- – did he have a touchdown pass? I don't think he did in that game. I don't believe he did. It, it, but it, but again, it, it'll so the we've got what a month and a half, roughly, a little yeah. more than that to go. Rodgers is going to put up the. He's going to have thirty some touchdowns. Mahomes will. It's just such a it's such a quarterback driven league that if 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 we're talking to this in, in late December, it'll show you that the the massive season the Taylors had. I'm not ruling it out. I just I'm just trying to be realistic in in how over the top great a non quarterback I won't say non quarterback a, a running back has to be because that's you know defensive players winning MVP are really really r- remote I'm not sure who the last one was it might have been Lawrence Taylor yeah I've, uh, I've never heard of a wide receiver winning MVP so no so, so it, it, you know I think it, but uh, hey while he's going you write him and I don't think they're overworking the kid. At all, I mean, and you know, one of the pluses of of averaging 15 carries a game for the first part of the season is he should be fresher now. So uh, I, it's just it's just kind of fun to sit back and watch. 
It really is. And, I mean, moving on from Taylor, takeaway number three, the defense played their best ball in the Colts' biggest game. They limited the Bills' fifth-ranked offense to 307 yards, limited Josh Allen to 209 yards. They intercepted Allen twice. The third interception was thrown by Mitch Trubisky, and they had the special teams fumble recovery. The Colts had 21 points off turnovers on this one, and as you already mentioned, Mike, Indianapolis has scored a season high or a league high 98 points on their 25 takeaways, which their 25 takeaways lead the league now. They've surpassed Buffalo, uh, who was number one entering the week. Uh, The Colts defense has at least one takeaway in 12 straight games. That's NFL's longest active streak. And my last little note on the defense here, Quiddy Pay got his uh, got his second sack, second straight game, uh, forced a fumble on Josh Allen. If he could have spotted where the ball went, where the ball went, he might have been able to jump on it. I know he kind of slapped that thing away, and nowhere, no one knew where it went for a minute. Um, but Quiddy Pay coming on at the right time. I mean, this whole Colts team seems to really be coming together at the right time, and they need Quiddy Pay to continue to be a force if they're going to get to where they want to go. Uh, Mike, I mean, what's the most impressive part about this defense to you? I know the turnovers are huge. The pass rush seems to be coming together. I mean, this defense is playing some nice ball. The the takeaways is just, again, they they, they continue to pile up, and, and the pass rush is getting better. It was a different type of pass rush Sunday because it was more a case of, Yes, you've got to get upfield and get pressure on Josh Allen, but you're 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 almost more concerned with not letting him get outside the pocket. So you're more disciplined. But uh, and maybe what I'm as impressed with too is let's not forget that both safeties are out, Blackman and and Kari Willis, and Darius Leonard is not right. He's just not. So it's uh, they're doing a lot with backups second-tier players, and thus far, it's, it, they're doing more than enough. Yeah, Odom, uh, Odom might earn himself a little more on his next contract. He almost had two interceptions on this one. Uh, the second one was called back. Uh, I guess it hit the ground. He wasn't quite able to get his hands underneath it, but it was pretty close. They, I first called that an interception. So George Odom, special teams ace, uh, playing some good good ball on defense as well. Uh, another takeaway here, Wentz in the offense just kind of took care of the football. Uh, for the third straight game and fifth game this season, the offense did not turn the ball over. The Bills, you know, came in. That was their specialty, tops in the NFL in uh, takeaways, and they had played one less game than the Colts. Uh, Wentz, he was just 11 of 20 on the day for 106 yards uh, in the 23-yard touchdown to Taylor. It's his fewest yards in his career in a game that he was able to start and finish, um, but he just didn't need to do a whole lot because Taylor and the defense did everything else. Uh, Wentz was not sacked. He was hit only twice. Jack Doyle actually led the team in receiving with three catches for 30 yards. Uh, the Colts converted eight of 12 third downs against the NFL's number one third down defense. I thought the offensive line played great in this one, opening up holes all day, giving some solid protection. I mean, this is 
certainly a better run-blocking offensive line than it is a pass-blocking offensive line. I would say they're around average at pass-blocking, but they really excel when running the ball, which works out great because that's what they want to do anyway. Yeah, I mean, you, you've got Taylor averaging 5.8, Hines 5.0, as a team 5.2, and, you know, the, the NFL norm is 4. So it's it's just it's things are working now. And the next thing you have are any other takeaways. Michael Badgley, uh, he's he's only perfect. It's it's and it'll be a question that Frank's asked either today or Wednesday is, what about Hot Rod? And it's as we talked last Thursday, it's a very very weird situation where you truly believe in. I, I should you pretty much believe in. Blankenship on what he's done for you, but they're not going to get away from Badgley. They're just not, and he's and he, he's doing what they need to do. They weren't long kicks Sunday, but it was it was nasty weather, and all he's doing is what they ask him to do. So uh, I like the way that special teams is performing, especially uh, Michael Badgley. Yeah, I, you know, obviously love when the offense is moving the ball, but I was kind of hoping for a longer field goal attempt for Badgley just to just to see, because I know he's been perfect on the year, but I think his longest kick was a 42-yarder in San Francisco. And, I mean, so he's not really perfect as perfect. He's doing a great job. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. But Blankenship's weakness was kind of the long kicks. I think he's only hit one kick in his career that was – 50 plus yards well we haven't really seen uh Badgley do what Blinkenship has kind of struggled at so we're not really sure if he's better in that aspect because Blinkenship from short range is pretty darn good himself his percentage is pretty high in that area um his percentage this year was driven down a little bit from the Ravens game where he was kicking hurt and had a blocked kick but, you know, I guess I'm just trying to defend my boy Hot Rod over here. But if Badgley keeps doing this, I think the Colts are correct with staying with them. I just hope um, he either proves that he can hit 50 yarders or if he misses a few more long ones, maybe Blankenship uh, gets in there and retakes that job. But that's something we'll just have to see uh, as the Colts go along. And hopefully he remains perfect next week against the Buccaneers. Uh, I guess my final takeaway here is kind of a combination of all the takeaways, but a good running game, a good defense, and taking care of a football, that's a winning formula. I mean, that's that's December, win- January, winter football, play good defense, run the ball, and don't turn it over. And that's what the Colts are doing right now. They're playing real good. Uh, I mean, that's a championship formula for a lot of teams who have taken home the trophy. So if the Colts can keep this up, I mean, everything's in front of them right now. They can certainly get into the playoffs and make some noise. In a conference, the AFC, that we talk about every week, who's the front runner? Who's the dominating team? The Chiefs are starting to get it together a little bit, but they don't seem to quite have that same, you know, automatic 30 points per game offense that they've had in the past. Uh, We thought it was the Titans, and then we'll talk about that here in a second. They just lost to the Texans, for goodness sakes. You know, uh, Rams, Bills, Chiefs, no problem. But the Texans are too much for the Titans, apparently. Um, we'll see when they can get Derrick Henry back. But, I mean, it's all there for for the taking for the Colts. If they keep playing like they're playing, um, I, I think the playoffs are very much within reach. 
Mike, let's move on and talk about this AFC. One, one, one thing real quick. Yeah, go ahead. And I don't want to rain on everybody's parade. Is I I don't know how many games you can win with your quarterback throwing for 106 yards. Fair. I, I think that I think that was something of an aberration in the way the game went. You got ahead and you could afford. And again, they they've it was an aberration, and, and he's not going to throw. 11 for 20 for 106 is just the way the game went. So I just don't want people to think they can run the ball 46 times and blow people out. They're going to need to make plays in the passing game, which they've done this year. They, they, they've, they've won both ways. So I think that was a case of enjoy it that way. But I don't think they're going to throw for 106 yards and beat the Tampa Bay Bucks or Arizona or New England coming up. No, absolutely. I mean, this was kind of the formula, but to the extreme, to its highest point. Correct. I mean, the five touchdowns for Taylor, all those rushing yards, just 100 passing yards. If you run the ball perfectly, like the Colts basically did, that you can get away with that. But, um, yeah, Wentz will have to do more in future games, and I think he's capable of it. He's shown it in the past, and uh, we will talk about that a little more on Thursday as they have a tough test against that. Um, Buccaneers defense. Looking around the AFC South now, the Colts advance to six and five, while the Titans fall to eight and three after losing a shocker to the Texans, twenty-two to thirteen. Ryan Tannehill threw four interceptions, and uh, you know the Colts are now kind of two and a half games back. They're two games behind the Titans, but they lost both their matchups. So they don't have that tiebreaker. Man, even just having one win would go such a long way. Um, Tennessee's remaining schedule at New England versus Jacksonville. I mean, New England's won five in a row, by the way. At New England versus Jacksonville at Pittsburgh versus the 49ers, who are hot right now, too, versus Miami, and then at Houston against those pesky Texans. So, I mean, it's hard to envision – Tennessee losing enough games for the Colts to catch up for the division. I mean, that would have to be a full-out collapse by the Titans. Um, but the wild card is still very much in reach. Texans pick up their second win of the year and advance to 2-8. and eight. The Jaguars drop to 2-8 and eight after they got stomped by the 49ers 30-10. to 10. Let's kind of expand our sights here and look at the AFC playoff picture as a whole. In first place... In the AFC, you still have the Tennessee Titans. They're eight and three. Second place, you have the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, they move up after Buffalo's loss, and I mean the Ravens—they barely pulled that out in Chicago. Lamar Jackson not playing because of an illness. The backup goes into Chicago and gets it done. Third seed, you have the New England Patriots, who are red hot. They're seven and four, and the Kansas City Chiefs—they're also leading their division. They have the fourth seed with a 7-4 and four record. Uh, the Colts play the Patriots in Week 15, so that will be a tall test for Indianapolis in an important AFC matchup. Looking at the wild card now, Cincinnati has that fifth seed. They're 6-4. and four. They just handled the Raiders 32-13. to 13. In the sixth spot are the L.A. Chargers. Uh, they're 6-4, and four, and they just won a shootout over the Steelers on Sunday night. And in that seventh and final wild card spot are the Bills with a six and four record. They drop all the way from the two seed in the AFC to the seventh seed with that loss in the Colts. I mean, that, that just kind of shows how 
uh, tightly grouped this whole AFC is, everyone with a lot of similar records. Let's look at those bubble teams. Uh, eighth in the AFC right now is Pittsburgh with a record of 5-4-1 and one, uh, after that tie a couple weeks ago against the Lions. Indy is ninth with a 6-5 and five record. Cleveland is 10th. They're also 6-5. and five. 11 is the Las Vegas Raiders. They're 5-5. Five and five. The Raiders have lost three straight, and the Colts will play the Raiders Week 17, another important AFC matchup. Uh, the last team kind of in the hunt here is Denver. They were on a bye this past week, but they're also 5-5, five and five, um, so they're not out of it either. Mike, the rest of the schedule, looking for the Colts at Houston next week, and then they host New England. At Arizona on Christmas, they host the Raiders, and then at Jacksonville. Um, so those are the remaining games after, of course, the Buccaneers this coming Sunday. We'll preview that game on Wednesday to get that out to you before Thanksgiving comes on Thursday. I'm sure most people will be a little too busy for a podcast Thursday. But, Mike, looking at this playoff picture, looking at the Colts' remaining schedule, I mean, what was it, first the 538 538.com said there's a 73 percent chance that the Colts make the playoffs that feels about right I mean things are looking pretty good but it's far from locked up obviously with several weeks to go talk to me about how you're feeling about Indy's playoff chances I still think it's a wild card I, I just you mentioned I just don't see how Tennessee collapses enough I mean I I look at this their remaining schedule I can give them three losses without any upsets. And, you know, you, you said a two-and-a-half game lead. It's really it's a three-game lead in the division because of their of, of having swept the Colts. So it's just really hard to see them getting enough done. The Colts would basically have to win out. But I tell you, wild card-wise, there's so much left to be played. And I tell you, if, if there's a team that's a little nervous right now, it could be Buffalo. You know, they're, they're not playing well. They, 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 they dropped from the number two seed, and I'm looking at Buffalo's upcoming schedule. They've got to turn around and go to New Orleans Thursday. They're home with New England, at Tampa, Carolina, at New England. So they've got a stretch of games where, if they're not careful, they'll play themselves out of the playoffs. And I, I, I kind of hope, Colts-wise, that they would have got a little more help yesterday from other teams, although asking was it Detroit to help to beat Cleveland? That's not yeah, going to happen. And then, nice. the, <laughs> and then the Bears gagged uh, when it could have helped them against uh, who was Baltimore. it to, against Baltimore. So this is a case of just just take care of your business. I, I if they win the games they need to win. We always thought we talked about needing needing to win one of those uh, Buffalo, Tampa, Arizonas. Well, now that you've beaten, you know, Buffalo, get greedy and, and, and add Tampa to the list and beat them, and then you're in really good shape. But, you know, the, the important thing is, for the most part, things are in their control. Win your games, win's the one you're supposed to, and it won't matter what everybody else does. So uh, that that's what yesterday's win did. It just sort of gave them more momentum, and it has to get that, again, they'll deny it, but Having that streak of 0-1-8 against playoff teams, it meant something. 
It just did. You weren't beating teams you needed to beat. Well, they've done that. I'm really curious to see how they, they respond and build from that. Yeah, and I mean, a few teams on here have some tough schedules coming up. You, you think about the AFC North and the Steelers. I mean, th- those are three teams competing for playoff spots, and I think they're just going to kind of beat each other up here over the last month of the season. The Steelers' remaining schedule, they face the Bengals, the Ravens, the Vikings, who just beat the Packers, the Titans, the Chiefs, and then the Browns. That is brutal. I mean, every single one of those teams is competing for a playoff spot. So the, the Steelers are a team who, you know, they're, they've, they've only lost – what four games? They're five, four, and one right now. But that's a team who I could see kind of collapsing down the stretch here with the aging quarterback. Their defense is a little bit beat up. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to go team by team here and look at their schedules and dissect all of this. The Colts just have to handle their business, and everything else um, will work out as it's supposed to. Well, that'll about wrap things up for us today. Thank you so much for listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone so we can keep you updated throughout the week on everything Colts, news, notes, entertainment. We got it all there. You can follow Mike specifically at mchapel51. You can follow me on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Please be sure to subscribe and download for us. Uh, that really helps us out. And if you want to write us a review and give us a rating on iTunes, that would be great as well. All that stuff really goes a long way more than you know. So, again, I want to thank everyone for listening. And until Wednesday, have a great week, Colts fans. <laughs>